In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Today, we jump out of Mark's Gospel for one Sunday in this season of Epiphany to hear the second of two early stories of Jesus calling disciples. Like the story immediately before it, the story of the call of Andrew and Peter, today's story involves a pair of disciples, Philip, who was initially called by Jesus, and then in turn brings another, Nathaniel, to Jesus. In each of the two stories, the invitation extended by Jesus is the same. Come and see. It is an invitation not into debate or theological discussion, but to witness and relationship. And in each story, the one who comes and sees is actually truly seen by Jesus. Nathanael is called by Jesus an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, or as one paraphrase reads, a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asks with a shocked look on his face. Nazareth? you got to be kidding me. Really? It's not exactly a bustling market town with lots of job opportunities and a thriving social scene. In fact, Nazareth was a small rural village, perhaps with a population of 500 to 2,000 people, located in the hill country of Galilee, known for fishing and farming, known for having many Gentiles, which meant many foreigners. Apparently, nothing much had happened around Nazareth, nothing to make the news. The late Harvard minister, Peter Gomes, put it this way, Nazareth is not the site of great expectations. Nazareth was the insignificant of the insignificant, the backside of the backyard of nowhere. Nathaniel says to Philip, You're telling me that the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Israel has come, and he's from Nazareth? No way. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, much has been made of Nathaniel's offhanded slam. Whether the source of his low opinion of Nazareth, whatever that might be, and scholars have spilled lots of ink on this over the years, What we know is that Nathanael was ready to dismiss Jesus, sight unseen, merely because of where Jesus was from. But what is even more striking is how quickly Nathanael is redeemed from that error in judgment. Jesus is able to see him and know that offhand comment doesn't define who Nathanael is. Jesus is able to see beyond Nathanael's foibles and mistakes to see who he really is. And in so doing, he invites Nathanael to be a part of a life that changes everything. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So often we dismiss people on their potential to do amazing things. We do what Nathanael did at first and label and dismiss people because of exterior factors. Can anything good come out of somewhere different than where I'm from geographically, theologically, denominationally, 
racially, ethnically, educationally, politically? One of the most dangerous words in the world is they. Those people, them. Can anything good from, come from those people out of another location, another experience, not my own, out of a, another human being who is not me? When we say they, or those people, or them, we're walking a tightrope. We are tempting ourselves to paint one another with a broad brush to let our image of each other be defined by our assumptions and prejudices. We think nothing good can come out of anyone or anything else if it isn't us, our race, our ideologies, our perspectives, our interpretations. Maybe, like Nathaniel, we judge Nazareth because we've never been there, never been on the other side of the tracks, never been on the backside of the backyard of nowhere. We've never experienced Nazareth and don't know it or its people. We don't know any Nazarenes. It sounds so elitist and entitled. Can anything good come from over there when I'm over here? Jesus was situated, located in human flesh somewhere, a real place with real people, with struggles and beauty like everyone else. Human beings live in Nazareth. Have we forgotten that? They may not look like us or talk like us or think like us, but there's no need to regard them with contempt just because they're from Nazareth. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once reminded us, we forget that we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. You can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. We forget that Dr. King also said that there is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. Yet we still wonder, Nazareth? We judge a book by its cover and therefore judge someone by the color of their skin and not the content of their character. Some historical accounts about Dr. King say that he often carried with him theologian and mystic Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited, when he traveled. Thurman was in college with Dr. King's father, and the two families were close for decades. The emphasis of Thurman's book is on Jesus of Nazareth and how Jesus was a poor Jew living under Roman oppression, a disinherited Nazarene living in poverty, whose spirit gave the oppressed, those whose backs were against the wall, courage while he pronounced the good news of freedom to them. What Dr. King knew when Nathaniel learned is that there are gifts and even God in Nazareth. Nathaniel eventually recognizes that the incarnate word from Nazareth is the flesh of God, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Can anything good come out of Nazareth?
It's a lesson in knowing that that which you may despise and disregard may be your source of salvation. Don't despise Nazareth. It may be where God resides. Nazareth offers gifts and God to the world. Jesus of Nazareth. Philip told Nathaniel about Jesus, and his response was, What? One of those people? To which Philip gave an answer that was pure truth. Come and see. That is our message when we're tempted to dismiss with they or those people or them. Come and see. Come and see. Look deeply into one another's eyes as individuals. Actively seek Christ in the image of God and one another. Do not not profile or dismiss. Gaze deeply. Come and see. This is exhausting work, and we tend to avoid it. Someone living with MS once told me not to be offended if she didn't look me in the eye when we talked. She said that she has learned that looking into someone's eyes is the single most taxing task for the human brain. And that if she was having a bad MS day, she couldn't do it because she needed to preserve her energy. Come and see, Philip says to Nathaniel. It's not just a brief glance and looking away. It's intense. It's opening ourselves up to the reality of each other. God invites us to look deeply into the eyes of the person next to us and see the image of God in them. That is our call as the community of grace. To look into each other's eyes and to get to know one another seeking and serving Christ in one another. We are to go out into the world and meet people there and to invite the village of the Plains, all of the northern Piedmont, indeed all of God's people into this sacred space, this beloved community, to look into the eyes of all sorts of people and seek Christ in them and ask how we can be drawn into service together. Ours is not a faith of they, those people, and them. Ours is a faith of intimate relationship. We grow in deeper relationship with God and Christ when we, like Peter and Nathaniel, not only come and see, but allow ourselves to be fully seen and intimately defined by Jesus. That's really what communities of Christ are called to be. Communities of seeing Christ and being seen by Christ. Communities where we see the power of God's love for us and where we let that love define us and send us out into the world to heal every bit of brokenness that is out there. It's seeing and being seen. It's discarding they, those people, and them language for the time and energy it takes to gaze deeply into each other's eyes. And when our eyes open wide, we can see that heavens are opened up and angels are ascending and descending and that God is not far but here. Right here. Amen.